Up with Sherry is a bariatric podcast talking about weight loss surgery. I am not a licensed professional. Any views and or opinions expressed in the show are those of the speakers and do not reflect the bariatric community as a whole. Always reach out to a professional with any medical issues you are experiencing. Thanks so much for tuning in and I hope you enjoy the show. There we go. Happy Wednesday, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Unzipped with Sherry. With yours truly, as always, I am Sherry. Um, thank you guys so much for the amazing love and support. Uh, this morning, we have hit 500 downloads of the podcast between the different streaming platforms on Spotify and Apple. You guys have been absolutely amazing. And my goal for the show is to keep introducing amazing people to you who are part of the bariatric community who have overcome obesity and other um, adversities in life, and they're kicking ass and they're inspiring. And of course, this week is going to be no different. So we're going to be talking with Chris, who had gastric bypass in February of 2001, which means it's almost his two-year surge anniversary. So I'm really excited. One thing I love about Chris is he has this amazing attitude. He's Mr. Motivation. He's very positive, and you guys are going to fall in love with him. So, Chris, no pressure, but I hope you're ready because we're about to get unzipped. We all have a story on how we got here, right? So, for me, I used to be over 350 pounds until one day I made the single decision that I wanted change. Weight loss surgery has saved my life, and now I am here for you. I want to hear your story. You know, the one that happened during that before and after picture? It's time to unzip. What's your story? Hello, hello, hello. How are you today? Hey, I'm good. I'm good. Good. I am so excited. And first and foremost, I want to thank you so much for taking time um, to come onto my little potty today and shoot the shit with me, all things bariatric. So thank you very much. Of course. Um, so one thing I want to do, because here's the thing. Every single week I do this show, we blink and an hour has gone by and ra- we're wrapping yeah. it up. So I, I kind of am trying to get better at like getting right into the meat and potatoes um, of everything. So I thought maybe you can take spend a few minutes and tell us a little bit about your origin story and where Chris came from. Of course. Um, so as a little kid, um, I would say probably up until about second or third grade, I was actually relatively small kid, very skinny. Um, you know, that, that kid that always had his shirt off running around the neighborhood going crazy. Um, second or third grade, um, I got actually just a, it was just a random like rash. Um, and so my mom took me to the doctor, went to go get it checked out and they ran a bunch of biopsies and tests and everything and just really couldn't figure out what it was. So I guess their best solution was kind of just throw whatever medication they thought would take care of it. Um, right. And most of those side effects from those medicines was everything to increase hunger. Um, everything pointed towards basically eating more. Um, Interesting. And that's that is when I noticed um, that my eating increased dramatically. Um, now, for the rash, was it something like that? It was isolated or was it your whole body? So it wasn't, they determined it wasn't an allergy or anything like eczema? 
yeah so they it was it was kind of all over so it wasn't just like on the torso or just you know on the the arms or anything so it wasn't any type of eczema uh, which is i think why they ended up having to kind of just throw kind of everything that they had at it yeah and just unfortunately the side effects was increased hunger for pretty much every medication so you know i my my appetite increased my eating increased and just with how my household was you know, we ate, we ate a lot of hamburger helper, you know, McDonald's when we, when we had it, you know, stuff like that. We, you know, pretty, pretty simple and easy things, macaroni and cheese with hot dogs yep. in it. You know, the, the, the I thought I was the only one that did the mac and cheese with hot dogs. Oh, it was a staple when I was a kid. Oh, I love that. Did you ever do, did, okay, side note, did you ever do mac and cheese with tuna? We did that a lot too. So I am not a seafood person. Unfortunately, okay. I wish, I wish I liked seafood just because I know it's so much healthier than most things, but I'm slowly, I can, you know, I've tried sushi with some lobster and it's, it was okay, but definitely not a seafood person. You know, when it comes to like sushi, I am not a fan of the raw stuff. I'm a texture person. It kind of freaks me out. So I will do like, and if it's cooked, I'll try it. If it, if it's yeah. slimy and raw, like no, not too much. <laughs> no. Okay. Uh, I'm not touching it. Um, so, but were you like, even though like the, you were on this medication that was increasing your hun hunger, was like the weight coming on or like, were you fairly an active kid? So I was an active kid, uh, but it piled on pretty quickly. Really? Um, okay. You know, it was, I still, I did sports, you know, soccer, baseball, um, all of that good stuff. And for my entire childhood, I did it. Um, up until I was about 17 is when I stopped playing sports. So I was active most of the time running around the neighborhood, playing sports, riding my bike, all of that. But the weight just kept coming on because of the amounts I was eating. Um, I, from an early start became more of a binge eater. Whenever I was bored, I would just sit there and eat and eat and eat. So it just piled on quick. And then like, by the time you got to high school, were you like one of the bigger guys? Oh, for sure. Um, by the time I hit eighth grade, um, which was the last year in middle school, um, yeah. I was already pushing 300 pounds. No. Um, and then my freshman year, um, I was, I want to say about 315 and I held that weight for most of high school. Um, I was 315 for most of high school and, um, all of that good stuff. It's not until after when I really gained most of my weight. Right. And then, um, so, and about how tall were you when you got to high school? Um, about six, four. Okay. So I'm thinking high school, six, four, three, 15, you had to play football, right? I did. I did. So I did play football. I actually didn't play football and I only played one year. Unfortunately, I decided ah. to only play one year, um, but I played my junior year, um, of high school and I played for both the JV team and the varsity team and actually ended up going to the Raiders Coliseum to play <laughs> Okay, that's really cool. Yeah. Where are you from? I don't remember. Um, I am from uh, Santa Rosa, California, originally. Oh, that's so at the time you were in Santa Rosa. So you went to the LA Coliseum back then, I'm thinking. Uh, the Oakland. Oh, it's when they were already in Oakland. Okay, that's going to depress me. How old are you right now? I'm 29. <laughs> Okay. So that's why they were already in Oakland. Cause back in my day, I went to high school in the 1900s and in the 1900s, they were at the LA Coliseum. Yeah. So it was, they were in Oakland and yeah, I'm originally from Santa Rosa, California, uh, but live here in uh, Phoenix, Arizona. 
Okay, got it. So when it when it came to playing football, um, as a team, don't you usually you guys do workouts together? Do you guys usually be on like certain diets together, or were you kind of more like encouraged to enjoy whatever you wanted because your size was an asset to the team? Um, more more so the second one, kind of just eat whatever. Um, you know, it was just whatever we had at the house. I ate, and because I was playing football, I ate probably three times as much as I should have. Um, just going from two hour workouts every day after school and then during school, instead of having normal PE where you just, you know, play flag football or, you know, do, do stuff in PE, I had weights class. So I had an hour of weights class plus two hours of, uh, training after school. And that was five days a week. And then Saturdays we'd have our, or Friday nights, we would have our games. Right. Um, so it was a lot. And so then I'm curious, was there possibly anything else going on with you? Cause you're working at, and like, I've, you know, I grew up with guys and I played football. They wouldn't let me on the football team in high school because whatever. Um, but like those workouts are fairly rigorous. And so was, so the weight still wasn't coming off or were you just like over consuming to the point where it was balancing out with the workouts you were doing? I would say a little bit of both. Um, being a bigger guy, I mean, most of the other people when, when, you know, when they're running, they're Mm -hmm. running probably three times as much as I am because I was a bigger guy. You know, I was kind of that last person in the group, um, still was a, you know, a starter on the team and everything, but it was because of that, my size, I was just big enough. And because I was a lineman, I really didn't Mm -hmm. have to move too much. So most of mine was just strength and size. Right. So when you're eating 10,000 plus calories a day and you're working out, but you're not working out to the extent that, you know, maybe the linebackers or the QB. Like a running back or something. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not running as much as them. You're more so just practicing your blocking, your drills, all of that good stuff. And then like, as far as high school, like what was your social experience? Like, were you more like outgoing because you were into sports or were you more reserved? Um, I've always been outgoing. Like I, I love being social as much as possible. Um, so throughout high school, I kind of knew a little bit of everybody might Mm -hmm. not have been, you know, super close with everybody, but I knew everybody to where I could walk up to somebody and hang out and, you know, have lunch with them, stuff like that. Um, and, and I was able to kind of hang out with everyone and get to know kind of all groups that were kind of in high school, you know, right. jocks and everything. Wait, you were able to just walk up to somebody and have a conversation in high school? I was. I've always been before, even at my highest weight down to my lowest weight, I'm always confident and I've always been super confident. So it's never been a problem for me. Mine's more so just... I have things about myself that, which is why I ended up moving into getting surgery. Right. I have to, I give you mad props for that because I was so shy and awkward. I was in the back of the class. Like you had to approach me. Um, I had somebody in my class. I don't know if it was in my yearbook or, or what, but they actually wrote like, I didn't know you were in the class. And I'm like, Oh, that's really harsh. Um, so you, you had made a comment earlier that after high school, the weight really came on. But I mean, like at 6'4", 315, the weight was already there. But you're saying it continued on post high school as well. It did. It did. So um, I after high school, you know, I didn't really do any partying during high school, anything like that. I really didn't even drink until honestly, I hit 21. Um, and I hit it hard. So it was a lot of drinking, 
eating fast food and just repeating um, all right. the time. So super unhealthy along with that. And then once I actually got into what my current job is, it's, it's a desk job. Mm -hmm. So most of my time was sitting at a desk and when I'm sitting at a desk and I'm bored, the only thing I can think of is to go to the break room and grab some snacks. So, you know, one bag turns into two bags of chips, one soda turns into two energy drinks after energy drinks. And it just kind of piled on to, to my highest weight. And what, can I ask what your highest weight was? So I would say if I had to put a number on it, um, I, but right before I actually looked into getting the surgery here in Arizona, um, I weighed in at 447. Um, but if I okay. gave you an accurate number, because I had already started, um, because of some, some issues with my health, I'd already started trying to lose weight just on my own. I would say I was probably pushing anywhere between 460 to 470. Wow. And um, I appreciate that. Cause you kind of segue into the next question I was going to ask anyway. Um, what, what kind of made the decision for you to kind of kickstart having a weight loss journey? Like did something specific happen? Uh, yes and no. Um, so like I said, I've always, I've always been a super confident person. Um, but there's obviously certain things that you just always have wanted to do. So I kind of, yeah talked myself into a corner when it came to certain things where like I would convince myself like, Oh, I don't have to go to that amusement park and go on the rides. Like I don't need to go on those, but it really was that I knew I wouldn't fit or I would tell myself, Oh, I don't need to get in the car with them. Like I'll just go home. It's fine because I knew I wouldn't fit in the car with four other people, you know, right. stuff like that. So, um, I started looking into the surgery actually when I was in California, um, through Kaiser and started looking into the surgery, went to the orientation and everything. Um, even had my first appointment scheduled up and then ended up decide, you know, figuring out that I was moving to Arizona where there is no Kaiser. So right. once I got here, um, a little bit after I got here, I want to say probably three or four months after I got here, uh, COVID hit and just sitting at home and started eating more and more because yeah. you're at home, you're comfortable, COVID's happening. So that was stressful. Um, so I just started eating more and more, which got me to my highest weight and then found out that I had diabetes. Um, so from there, that's when I started, I went back to the doctor, had to get on medication. And about a month after that, I was like, I, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm making it happen. I need to get healthy. Um, at the time I only had one child. Um, but now having three children, it, it was just something that had to happen. So I looked into the surgery. I expedited it as quickly as possible. It was supposed to take six months. I want to say I had it done in a few months. Really? Um, yeah. And I was able to kind of push it to where I made them make all of my appointments back to back. So instead of having one appointment a day, you know, and having it go out six months, I would right. have them put three appointments for one day so that I can get my quantity of of appointments in and just get it done. So I kind of made them expedite it by bothering them to the point that I think they just wanted to let me have the surgery. Like, dude, and just, then, just give him what he wants. We don't want to deal with him right now. And then I finally got it and it just, it was definitely the best decision I've ever made. Okay. So then I have to ask you if it's only been like a few months before, like, did you really have time to process what was about to happen to you? Um, yes. Um, I would say, yeah. Um, I have several family members, um, that got the, and I always mess up the name, the duodenal switch. Uh, the duodenal, um, or I say duodenal. I don't think that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so I have a few, few family members that got that done and I saw how much weight they lost. And, um, I actually have a aunt who got the surgery, 
I want to say about a year before I did and just did amazing, lost a ton of weight. Um, even as of recently starting to get, you know, her arm surgery, stuff like that for the skin. So it was, it was definitely something that I was aware of kind of what was going to happen. Yeah. Um, but I don't, you know, I don't think I was fully prepared for everything that was going to happen once it actually happened. You know, and I'm curious because I, I don't have kids yet. Um, I don't know, maybe coming soon in 2024. We'll see. Um, but I know like the night before, so I was as fully mentally prepared as I thought I could be at that point, ha- having no idea what to expect. But like I said, I didn't have kids, but, but I had a husband and, and I remember like as excited as I was and you have the nerves. I remember the night before it really hit me hard that there is a chance something can go wrong. There is a chance that I'm never going to wake up again. Like, am I doing this for selfish reasons? Is it more vanity or is it really truly for my, like, I knew that the answer was a hundred percent for my health, but just, just with, with Eric alone, like the thoughts that went through my mind is like, what happens if I'm not here tomorrow? I can't imagine how exponentially worse those thoughts are. If you have kids, like, did any of that like go through your head leading up to it? Um, again, it's more of one of those yes and no's. Um, me and my wife had talked about it enough that if I didn't make a change, regardless, it was going to, ha- you know, yeah. any, you know, anything could happen at the size that I was, if I didn't make that change. And, and with my family, a lot of uh, heart attacks happen, especially on the male side of my family. So it wasn't something I wanted to play around with anymore. And I've always been the type of person that I'm not going to worry about something until I absolutely have to. Mm-hmm. So by, you know, by honestly, by the time I would have had to worry about it, you know, it would, it would have happened. So I kind of just went true, into yeah. it. I kind of just went into it of, you know, Hey, this is to better, better my life, better my family's life. And to ultimately, you know, have me live longer. Um, and that's what I focused on now, you know, le- leading up to it and, the, and definitely the, the pre-op diets that you have to do uh, didn't make it any easier, especially, you know, my family came into town and my mom was here and they decided to go and get lovely plates of barbecue and bring it back to the house and eat it in front of me. I love barbecue. So it was was lovely, you know, especially since at that point I could not eat anything. Like it was that time, that certain amount of hours before the surgery that they're just, nope, you can't eat anything and they barely want you to drink anything. So it was a, uh, it was a tough one, but I just kind of focused on, Hey, I'm, I'm getting the surgery tomorrow and it's going to be. Amazing. Yeah. And I'm curious. Cause I'm learning that everybody's pre-op experience is different. Like how did, how long was your pre-op diet for? Two days. Okay. And was it was two about, days? Like what, what were you allowed to have? Um, mine was, I could pretty much eat most foods. Um, up until about two days, then they wanted me to eat kind of softer foods up until about 12 hours, I want to say before the surgery, oh, and interesting. Like 12 hours before the surgery, they just told me nothing, no more. So yeah. you didn't have like a two week pre-op or a one week pre-op really? Thankfully I did not. See, okay. I didn't either. And like my pre-op consisted of the day before I was on clear liquids and that was it. But there was no, like, I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like they do it on purpose to torture people. Because to have to do this very, very strict protein drinks and diets with all of your stomach and hormones intact, I don't know. I just think that that's like torture. Um, So after the surgery, what was the recovery process like for you? Was it fairly easy or did you struggle at any time? 
Um, no, it was actually, and, and I'm going to say it was probably easier than like anything I've seen. And I mean, I scour TikTok and Instagram just, just because I love seeing everybody's results and everybody's processes and what works and what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And I feel like my recovery was so easy. I mean, I, I had the okay to take as much work off as I, as I wanted. That's really nice. And I honestly could have left the hospital and gone straight back to work. Obviously I work at a desk, but like I could have gone just straight back to work. Um, but I ended up taking about three days off and then I went back to work. Um, seriously, it was, so I woke up from the surgery. I don't remember them me wheeling me into anywhere. All I remember was I was texting my wife, letting her know, Hey, I'm, I'm here. It's, you know, my, my surgery was delayed a couple hours. They're a little bit behind. And that's the last thing I remember. And then all of a sudden I woke up a little bit groggy. Um, but after about 30 minutes, they came in, they got me up. I started walking laps and the next morning I went home and then it was all history from there. And then you went back to work after three days. I did. So I was going, um, I heal extremely quickly. Um, this is my first surgery. Like I've had a pretty bad ankle surgery, um, Mm -hmm. and had a 12 inch plate put in and I, I heal very quickly. So like I was actually going running and stuff, um, like a week or two kind of after the, after I got the surgery, I was able to go running and it didn't hurt. It didn't complicate anything, nothing. So I heal very quickly. I mean, you're kind of pissing me off right now. I'm not going to lie. Because <laughs> here's the thing. I take great pride. I've always told people I have a very, very high tolerance for pain. And I do. However, I don't remember being like in excruciating pain or anything like that. But my abs were broken. And like I could not sleep in a bed for three weeks. I took one week off of work because the idea of even because you had a desk job, I had a desk job just sitting in the chair upright for too long. Like my incision, my incision would hurt really bad. Um, and I don't know if it's because you had bypass, like, cause with, with the bypass, if I understand the stomach, the excess stomach stays inside of you, it doesn't come out. Yeah. Whereas with the sleeve, they put their foot on your chest and they pull the sucker out of you. And, and that I think was the, that was the incision that caused the most discomfort. So I kind of wonder if that had something to do with it. But I remember going back the second week and I had to do it part-time. I was only able to go in for a few hours and I'm like, nope, I'm good. I'm done. Um, did you have any issues like as far as tolerating foods in the beginning, like when you went into each phase or are you going to um, piss me off again? So I, I didn't honestly, um, and on, and it's kind of a, it's a two, two sided thing. I almost wish that I did, um, just because I feel like it would have restricted me a lot more, um, right off the bat. I honestly didn't have the thought to even eat or drink. Um, and, and I can tell you, I, I probably didn't eat or drink, even though I should have for probably a good three or four days. Mm. Um, and then I started getting my liquids in and I was pretty much immediately able to not chug water, but I could get down 80 to hundred ounces easy. Um, so it wasn't a problem for me. And then the food I was, it was awesome because my, my mind told me not to eat a lot and it, right. and it was, you know, I was really solid at first. Um, so it was, it was kind of, again, that, that yes and no to where, yes, I was able to eat and drink kind of, you know, pretty soon right off the bat. Yeah. Um, but I almost wish it would have been a little bit more restricted and, you know, even had a little bit more side effects to where I didn't. 
Okay, I feel like you can say that now, but then if you had some of the side effects, you'd probably not want to probably. relive them. Um, now, when it came time, now I'm curious, because one of the things that you and I had talked about in the past is, uh, one, I thought that men are not as vocal as women, but there's also a misconception. I did a deep dive in which 70% of all of these surgeries are women. So there is an explanation as to why there's far more women on social media talking about it. But I do think out of 30% of the men who are having the surgery, there's still a very small percentage of people who are actively vocal about their journey and talking about it. Um, I can literally count on maybe two hands, the ones that I've seen that are playing a prominent role on social media, like on Instagram or TikTok. But do you have any opinion as to why you think maybe men are not as vocal as the women are? Um, I think it's more so um, just kind of, how most men have been have been kind of you know kind of taught i guess not really taught but kind of just how it has been where yeah we haven't needed to be or wanted to be as vocal um just because it, it's kind of at least how i am so i'll speak for myself where i i had at first never wanted to be so vocal about it because i was like well i'm, just, I'm gonna get it done it's it, it is gonna happen but a little bit of me didn't want to let people know that like, Hey, I went and got surgery or, Hey, I'm thinking of doing this or, you know, thinking that, you know, Hey, I might look weak or, you know, like one of the biggest things for me as a, as a guy is like, I didn't want to start taking videos and then start seeing that my muscle was going away. You know, I've always been a big, strong guy. I can lift pretty much anything, hundreds of pounds, everything. And that was the biggest kind of like, I really don't want to lose all my muscle. And I think right. as guys, you know, that's one of the biggest things that we we all pride ourselves in is we're, you know, especially a lot of the guys is that we're big and strong and that's what we want to focus on. So I think it's more so we feel like we can't open up and show our experiences and, mm-hmm. and kind of the, the emotions and the mental aspect and everything that kind of goes along with it all. Whereas, you know, there in along with what you said there, there is a lot more women that get the surgery mm-hmm. versus men, which I don't understand because I know I, you know, most of the guys I grew up with as a kid and everything, we were all big guys. Right. So, you know, I don't know if it's just, you know, uh, how it is or, or what, but I truly think it's just that most guys don't feel like they can come out and say some of the things that, that we should be saying to show people kind of what, what the journey as a guy right. um, is and how it's going. So that's why I've, I've always tried to show what works for me, what doesn't work for me, how I'm feeling, all of that. So that hopefully going forward, you know, other people will see those videos and feel like, Oh, well here, let me start a TikTok. Right. Let me start an Instagram. And I do think that there's a trend that's forming is, is the more men are coming out and actively talking about it and talking about the good and bad and being brutally honest is I do think that it kind of gives other men kind of like the okay that they too can start talking about it because they're not alone in it. And I, I don't know, I grew up a tomboy. I only had guy friends. And I do think that there is this element of it's a sign of weakness to have this tool or to take, you know, it like just man up and, you know, work out and lift heavy and get swole or whatever. And I, I think that people look at it as a vulnerability or a weakness in order to like ask for that. But I love that there's more and more men starting to come forward and being honest about it saying, Hey, no, this was to save my life. And people are now starting to open their eyes. Like, no, this is not cheating. This is not taking the easy, like this shit is really, really hard at times. Um, 
so in the very beginning, so you weren't overly vocal about it. Like who, who did you tell in the beginning when you were either thinking about it or had just done it? Um, my family, some friends here and there, uh, but more so just family, my wife. Um, when I first looked into the surgery when I was in California, my, my oldest sister and my wife went with me to the orientation um, and kind of helped me through, you know, actually starting the process and everything. So I stuck to just kind of the bare minimum people. And then um, once I got it done was when I was like, hey, well, I want to show this off. I want to show you that like, hey, I've, I've lost weight, you know, I, I feel even better. Um, and I think that's just when I got more vocal because as confident as I was, I was even more confident after the surgery and after I started dropping the weight, you know, I could, I could do whatever I wanted. I could fit in the clothes, yeah. I could shop wherever I needed to. So it kind of just boosted the confidence, which then boosted the, the, how much I wanted to be vocal about how amazing. I can see was. that. So like when you were talking to your wife and sister about it at first, were they supportive or were they trying to coax you like, maybe you try something else first? So, um, yes, at first, um, I want to say most people were kind of, Hey, well, why, why don't you try just doing this? Or why don't you try doing that? Or, you know, stuff like that. I had already tried probably six, seven, eight different diets. Um, I, I had tried them for long periods of time and I did lose weight. You know, some diets I lost 60 pounds, but then I'd regain it, you know, mm -hmm. some, some I lost 50 and then I'd regain it. So at first they were just trying to urge me to, because they were scared because they hear the horror stories of somebody getting the surgery and having a complication, you know, stuff like that. I, so I think it was more so the fear of what made them a little eerie yeah. of it. But then as soon as I kind of went over the statistics and I went over the numbers and I gave the data and, and the info from the actual surgeons um, and the pamphlets that they handed out, it kind of calmed them down. And then I think just seeing how unhealthy I was, and mm -hmm. especially after I then got diagnosed with diabetes, it was kind of a, okay, let, I, I'm on board. Let's, like something let's needs to be done regardless anyway. Exactly. And then, so how, um, what was the question I was going to ask? Oh, there was a question. Do you think, because, well, which I think we already know the answer, because you only had a couple months to really prepare yourself for it before you made the decision. Um, in hindsight, were you truly mentally prepared or was there a lot of stuff that came up along the way? Um, I would say I was probably halfway there. Um, I was mentally prepared in the way of that I knew what was I knew half of what was going to come. Um, I didn't know that once I got past a year, that it would be a lot more difficult. Um, for me, the the first year was kind of like the honeymoon phase. Mm -hmm. It was it was it was easier for me. I didn't think about food. My mental state changed. I didn't think about it. I didn't look at food the same way. And then once I would say about a year hit and the holidays came around, I was like, oh, well, I'm going to be a little, little bit looser with what I'm eating. I'm going to drink that Starbucks coffee. And then one Starbucks coffee turned to two and then three and then four. And I was having them every day. And then, you know, that one piece of candy turned to two to three to four. So it, it kind of the, the mental aspect of the binge eating and the food addiction um, for me came back. Um, Interesting. And, and has made me have um, over time, especially over my wife's pregnancy uh, recently, had me have some weight gain. But that's when I just kind of kicked it back into overdrive, made a plan, and now I'm working that weight back off. And is it something that like you just, was it more like an out of boredom thing? Or was it more of like, um, 
Like once you had a taste for it, then you just couldn't control yourself. Um, I would say probably more so once I got a taste, it was more of a, I went right back to some of the things I was eating still a lot smaller portions, still a Mm -hmm. lot less calories. And I think that's how I justified it was to myself. I told myself, well, I would have eaten, you know, 10 times this amount. Right. I'm only eating this much, but still for somebody who had bariatric surgery, it was a lot of food. I should have been uncomfortable, but I think also my body from 20 something years of overeating and making myself so full that I was sick feeling. Right. I think my body was almost used to that feeling to where it didn't bother me as much if I overate, you know, every once in a while I would get a little nauseous or not, you know, my stomach would hurt for five, 10 minutes, but then it would go away and I would justify it by saying, Oh, I feel better now. Maybe I didn't eat too much. So And I'm kind of curious for you personally, because I mean, there's a lot of debates on social media that like, you can never have certain things again, you can have them in moderation. And I, and I think people are very aggressive in their opinions because they're basing it off of themselves and what they can and cannot do. Um, Obviously I am not one to judge anybody um, because we all struggle with this in different ways and we all have also have different tolerances, but are you somebody that you've gotten to a point where you can enjoy things in moderation or is it certain things you're like, I just need to stay away from it entirely. Um, Mine's more of a a timing thing. Um, I do think that eventually moderation is, is a thing. And I think people can eat in moderation, um, especially if you focus on truly what the serving sizes are Mm -hmm. and then go from there and and put in the tool Um, for right now. I'm honestly getting back to the point of just back to basics where I'm telling myself, I'm not going to eat these things until I hit the weight that I want to hit. Right. And then I'll think about once I'm in my maintenance, I'll think about, you know, maybe trying that fast food place again, or maybe having some chips every once in a while. So I'm slowly pushing myself and getting back to the portioning and the certain foods. And then I'll revisit kind of going back because like I said earlier, Um, food for me is a massive addiction. Um, it's just constantly, um, been a struggle. Um, I mean, I smoke cigarettes and I drink before and those two things I quit like no problem. Um, but food for me is something that's hard, hard to kick. Right. I think my light just went out. It's so weird. (laughs) This is what happens when you do it live. Um, (laughs) so I'm going to have you talk to Mr. Shelf for a second. I'm gonna try to fix it. Um, so since you're, since you're almost two years out, you did say that you had some regain when your wife was pregnant. Was it more just kind of like emotional eating alongside of her? Um, yeah, I would say it was, and I guess it's actually a thing that happens to most, most men is when, when the wife gets pregnant, um, statistically the men gain weight. Um, my wife in both of her pregnancies, uh, she lost weight, mm-hmm. whereas I gained weight. Um, so with her first pregnancy, I gained weight. And with this one, I gained weight. I think yeah. it's more so just because, you know, she's tired and then I'm tired. So then it turns into, you know, hey, well, we don't we don't feel like we want to cook dinner tonight. Let's just grab something out. And then it goes from there. Right. Because what's one thing that's really funny. Okay, that's much better. Um my husband is not a sweets eater. Like the, the idea of eating chocolate back then, like the smell would literally like singe his nostrils. Like it just anything sweet, like physically made him react to it. 
all of a sudden I have surgery and I can't eat anything and he's craving a Snickers bar and he's, and he's like, I've never eaten chocolate. It was like all of these things that I am no longer allowed to have is everything that all of a sudden he wants to have in, you know, excess, which I thought was interesting. Um, so now that it's been, okay, number one, does it feel like it's been almost two years already? It doesn't, no, no. And I've I've kind of lost track of when I got it and how everything went and stuff like that because it's kind of just flown by. So it doesn't feel like it's coming up on two years. It honestly felt like it had been longer and I mm-hmm. thought it had been longer. Um, and then I realized like, oh, well, I'm coming up on my two years. So, it, but it's been, it's been a fun adventure, learning things, meeting people, getting to know kind of certain things about myself and, yeah, you know, how things work, stuff like that. So it's been a fun journey. I don't think I've asked anybody this yet, um, but was there anything that necessarily surprised you post-op? Um, right after I got the surgery, honestly, the biggest surprise is that I truly did think about food differently. I mean, down to small things like when you're watching TV and you see a food commercial pop up, you know, it's like you look, you're looking at that, you know, that burger on the TV and, you know, it's making you want to jump in the car and go grab one. Mm-hmm. I completely, it didn't phase me anymore. I didn't even think about it. It's almost like, like even in the very TV. beginning. In the very beginning, it didn't bother me at all. It honestly, up until about a year into it, it didn't bother me at all. I didn't even think about it. And then it was kind of once that year hit and I, I kind of gave myself a little bit too much leniency on it. And then that's when now I start, I've noticed the, those commercials now. And, you know, I noticed the foods at the grocery store and stuff like that versus when I first got the surgery, I didn't notice it all as much. You know, I have a four-year-old, so he's, he's mm-hmm. got goldfish and crackers and all that stuff in the house and at first I didn't realize it didn't notice it nothing but it's like now it's like I have to really try hard and tell myself like hey these things are going to be in the house and I gotta gotta know to to be able to stay away from them because you know if I go out by myself somewhere I need to know not to stop at a gas station and grab a candy bar you know go somewhere I shouldn't isn't that funny like I had the complete opposite reaction like the first few days when I started watching TV and we didn't realize how much food is referenced everywhere, I saw the same Little Caesars commercial eight times in a single day and I had a full-blown meltdown. I'm like, I am never going to be able to try this delicious, delectable pizza, some kind of pretzel crust and nacho cheese. or like. I was like, my life is over. Um, but what's crazy is to this day, I'm almost eight years post-op. I don't sit and crave anything. I don't think about like, oh, I want to have a pie or some pizza or anything. However, comma, if I'm at an event or somewhere and there's stuff on the table, oh my God, that's all I can think about until I have a bite of it. Like I, I know my body well enough to know that I can enjoy a bite here and there of stuff and, and not go into excess. Cause, cause it's been a long time since I've been working on it. And I know that other people can't do that yet. Uh, what's up, Bobby? Hey, hey. Bobby's watching right now. Bobby was on our show a couple, a few months ago. Yes. He's, he's going to come back to him and bully him into it. Um, so looking back at the last two years and, and the entire journey that you've gone through and everything, the ups, the downs, which apparently there wasn't a lot of downs for you, but like, whatever. <laughs> um, is there anything that you would have done differently a second time around? Um, I would have prepared myself um, a little bit more for later in the journey. I would have set myself up for a little bit, a little bit more um, kind of positive in that way. Mm-hmm. 
to to not allow myself to to kind of let let loose and 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 want to try you know eating some other things and drinking some other things so I probably would have yeah prepared myself for the the long term journey and kind of talked myself through that a little bit more versus only focusing on I need to get the surgery and then I'll think about right. It. That makes a lot of sense. And then for you personally, how long did you wait before you were thinking about um, doing any kind of like physical activity and working out and taking it to the next step? Um, it was pretty, pretty immediate. Of course it was because um, everything was easy for I, you. I, I, I do heal quickly. So, so like I said, I mean, about a week or two after I got the surgery, um, I started going for walks, you know, long walks, three, four miles. I started doing jogs and runs. Um, I kind of started my own routine to, you know, my, my big thing is I've always been a super big guy and I've always been wanting to be able to run for more Mm -hmm. than just those couple seconds. Yeah. Um, so whenever I go for my walk and for about the first year, every day on my lunch, I would go for a a walk slash run what I would say, because I would run the entire first mile and then I would walk the second, third, and fourth. Okay. Did you say that you started doing a couple of miles like by day three or four? Yeah, I was pretty, I was pretty quick into it kind of right off the bat. So I more so for the first couple of weeks did mainly just walking, but I would say probably three week, three week, four, I was starting to do some slow jogging, some slow running and going from there. Dude, I, I'm giving you a lot of shit. Like I'm seriously impressed by you because I thought I was doing everything by the book and like my, you know, my post-op success, I really didn't have very many complications. I was not one to really throw up very often. It was very, very rare. I was very, very strict with everything, but I thought I was doing good. And you're like, yeah, I was like, I'm freaking Wolverine. And I just, you know, bounce right back. And I'm back at work in two days. I'm like running like by day three or whatever. And I'm like that, like, how do you get yourself in the mindset to be able to think like, I just had a massive surgery. There is still gas in my system. It is still healing, but you know what? Uh, I'm just going to go for a freaking run. <laughs> I, yeah, it was, it was intense, but the, the way that I am is I'm kind of, I'm either not in or I'm all in. So at first I was all in. I didn't, I, I truly, I, I didn't think about it. I didn't, I didn't anything. I just kind of knew. And it was so exciting because I hadn't lost weight that quickly. So the first month I lost 40 or 50 pounds in the first month. Um, And then the second month I lost another probably 15 to 20 pounds. Um, I mean, I lost a hundred pounds probably within, I want to say about six to eight months. Um, So it was, it was definitely, it was quick. And I think that's what kept me going and kind of drove me to want to keep doing and, and going further and trying different things and, yeah. and all of that. So it was just kind of the, 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 I want to say motivation, but it was more so the dedication of, I wanted to hit certain milestones. Um, and I wanted to get to them as quickly as possible. I had been, yeah. you know, quite frankly, I had been fat my entire life. I didn't want to be anymore. So I wanted to make it as quickly as possible and get it done as quickly as possible before I could give in. Yeah. And I have mad respect for that because I I do get criticized sometimes that I do have like the all or nothing mentality. Like I have to go big or go home, which I do understand over time. If 
sometimes you do have to take a step back and you have to take a break or whatever because you can't go hard 24-7. But I'm like, no. And like you said, you're losing so much weight so quickly. Your energy levels go through the roof. And like you just, and then the minute you have one or two NSVs that you've accomplished and you're like, I didn't think this was possible. Now, like the, the list and, and the dreams are getting bigger and bigger and you get so excited that you can't help it, but want it like to do, um, to do everything. And then, so now, like now that you're like two years out, like what's your typical routine? Like, um, it kind of depends. Um, especially with, um, having twin six month old babies, it's kind mm -hmm. of a, a hit or miss on, you know, if I'm in the middle of a workout, one of them decides to start crying. I got to take care of that. Sometimes interrupts the workout, but um, I mean, as you can see, my office is in my gym right now. Mm -hmm. So even while I'm working, I'll jump on, I'll have my laptop and jump on the treadmill or I have an exercise bike to where my, I have a desk that raises. So I literally pull my desk right up next to the bike and I just sit there and pedal on the bike for oh, an hour so or two cool. and I can work on the computer at the same time. So I've started to do that just to be at the house a lot more to be able to help out. Um, but my wife's been awesome. I mean, before the babies were born, I mean, she made it to where I could go for my hour, uh, hour run for every single day. Um, she, she made it super, super easy for me to get my workouts in stuff like that. So now it's just basically fit the exercise in for at least 30 minutes every day. And that's what I focus on. Mm -hmm. And then right now food's kind of my biggest thing. That's where my true addiction is. I can do a workout. I can work out several times. I used to go for 12 to 14 mile bike rides during, yeah. in, you know, in the mornings, it's more so focusing on the foods, getting back to portioning and getting back to those healthy foods is what I'm focusing on now. So it, it got to a point before where you weren't really measuring things out. You were just eating as you were hungry. Exactly. So I was starting to get back to especially taking larger portions. And even if I knew I felt full and that I was done and I truly didn't need to eat more, I felt bad because the food was on my plate. So then I felt like I had to eat it. Um, yeah. So now what I'm doing is I'm focusing on just getting enough food on my plate that I'm supposed to eat and then going from there. And then, so, and like, you don't have to answer if you don't want to, but, um, how much regain did you have like around the time that your wife had gotten pregnant? Um, about 20 pounds. Okay. Well, that's not, that's not terrible. No. So not terrible. Um, but definitely not something I wanted to see. Cause I got, I had gotten below down to about 290. So down below that 300, I mean, I hadn't been there since middle school. So it was yeah. a huge thing for me. And once I went back up above that 300, it was kind of like a, a hit to the, a hit to the pride. So that's why I'm focusing on just every day, whether I eat something I shouldn't and like I get off track, I then just tell myself, Hey, I'm going to get back on track. We're going to get it going. This weight's going to come off. It's going to happen. And I just focus on that. I don't get down on myself anymore because it happens and it's, you know, I already know it's a mental struggle for me right now. Right. So I just try and focus on that. And I appreciate that because there, there's a lot of, um, there's a current theme on social media right now of people who have gained five pounds, gained 10 pounds, gained 50 pounds. And they're self-deprecating. They failed. They are garbage. Um, they have no motive. And I get it. Like when you get into a funk and you get into a negative headspace, sometimes it's really hard to pull yourself out of it. Um, the biggest advice that I try to tell people is don't 
even though it goes against my own advice, don't go big or go home. Sometimes you can make small changes, you know, but what was it like when you noticed that the number was starting to go up again, what was it that kind of snapped for you that says like, I need to kind of revamp and take control again. And then what is like your mindset like in the very, very beginning phase of that when you're deciding to kind of mix it up again? Um, I mean, the mindset was, was basically just at first I had seen like, okay, here's, here's five pounds. You know, that's, that's nothing at all. I'm not going to worry about that. That could be, I drink a lot of water or something. And then once it started getting up and I hit that three again, stuff like that, the mindset was more so like, okay, I was going to start exercising again, but then I still didn't focus on the food. Like I, I was still eating massive amounts of food. Like I shouldn't have, um, and then once I looked at the scale, you know, I hadn't weighed myself for a couple of weeks and then I got on the scale and I was like, Ooh, that was a quick 10 pounds. I don't know how that just happened. Um, it just clicked in my head where, whether I know that it's something I should be doing or not, I'm mm-hmm. at least trying to focus on consciously knowing, Hey, I shouldn't have just eaten that. And as long as I can at least tell myself that I know that going forward in the future, I'm going to continue to try and focus on that. And I'm going to mm-hmm. continue to try to eat healthier and healthier every single day. So today I might not be eating as healthy as I want to. Right. Or the smaller portions like I want to, but I'm moving in slow <clears throat> increments. So in some cases I am all or nothing, but then I do still, I, I still preach to a lot of people that like making those small milestones and those small changes, those build up to that all or nothing. And yes. that's where, that's where we can ultimately get to is to be all or nothing because you're making those small increments to get there. You know, and I, I think too, like, like I said, people have judged me because I have like this all or nothing mentality. And that was the whole thing. I took it when I went into the 75 hard, like I literally never done anything like this. If like, for me, I'm like, you go big or you go home. Like there's no in between. Uh, and like, yes, for a lot of people, there is an in between, but for somebody like who's like me, who is like you, like I was fat my entire life. I could not walk upstairs. I could not get up from a chair without grabbing onto somebody or something to get up. So the idea of overwhelming myself with an, you know, insurmountable amount of tasks or whatever, the the challenge part excited me. And I knew that if I only got five days into it and I failed, that was five days that I did everything on that list that somebody else has done before me, um, that that would have made me better than I was yesterday. But then something kind of shifts. And once you start doing stuff and it kind of lights this fire under your ass and you're like, oh, I made it to day 10 might as well just try to see how far you can get. And then once you get past the point of no return, you're like, there's no stopping. Like I have, I have to do this. But like, even, even this month has been really kicking my ass because it's more than I've ever done in my life. And there were certain days where I told myself I can quit today and I can still hold my head up high that I got this far or whatever. I said, but if I can just pull a little bit more out of me and just make it through today, tomorrow is a fresh start where hopefully there'll be less distractions or whatever. And I, for me personally, I like that all or nothing mentality because it makes it so much harder for me to make an excuse or to, to, to not do something. And I don't know, like that's just me personally. No, and definitely. And and that's why for me, it's kind of a, it's kind of a half and half at certain times. I'm an all or nothing type of person. Yeah. And I just, I just got to get it done. Um, like my workouts, it's like, I'm an all or nothing. I, I can't just like half ass it. I got to I got to do it fully. And I got to, mm-hmm. I got to, I got to be sweating. I got to be, I got to feel that I'm working out. Um, and then there's some things that I small increment, like my eating, 
you know, my right. struggle is eating. So I, I take small steps because if I try and go all or nothing in that, it's going to be, it's going to be nothing. Um, yes. I won't get the, I won't get the all in there. So it, it's kind of a, a, a half and half thing for me. And that's what I found has worked. And especially since I didn't focus on the mental aspect of things, I kind of was one of those people that thought like, ah, mm. you know, there, you know, that, that's not true. That's not even real, you know, yeah. stuff like that. I thought for the longest time, like anxiety wasn't real, anything like that. And then I had my I was surgery. the same way you know, more and more children and anxiety comes and it for sure does. And then, you know, the, the mental side of things, you know, I didn't think it was real that like, you know, the, the mental side of things was hard, you know, after you get surgery or even before. And then yeah. I really have felt the mental side of things where it's like, it's a struggle sometimes. And you, I almost have to talk myself out of like, don't go to the refrigerator right now. I, I know, I know I feel like I want to, but I don't have to. So yeah, let's just sit here, drink, take a sip of water, keep working, and it'll go away. And I think there's so many misconceptions. It, like if you've never experienced something, sometimes it's hard for you to justify other people using it as a crutch for themselves. Um, I was somebody like, I have very thick skin. I was forced to have thick skin at a young age or whatever. So the little things, you know, I don't, I can't allow it to bother me. Um, so I never understood what anxiety excuse me, what anxiety was. I'm like, I was like, that just sounds like something like you just don't want to do something. So you're like, Oh, I feel anxious until I had a complete and utter nervous breakdown. And I would have a panic attack that lasted from when I woke up till I went to bed for months. And I could like my body and brain shut down entirely. And I'm like, I get it now because now that I've been through it and, and that had taught me that we don't understand everybody's situation. Yeah. We do have to have more empathy and compassion and understand that we're all coming from a different place. And just because you can't relate to it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist and that it's not an issue out there for other people. Um, and one of the things too, eight years ago, there was not a lot of social media chitter chatter. Yeah. There was no ticky talkies. There was no anything like that. So for you um, in the last two years, how important do you think that, community and social media, what kind of a role it plays in your personal journey? I think it was huge. I mean, even just down to, I mean, even if it's a person that I don't sit there and every day talk to, like I don't every day sit on, on TikTok and chat with people. Um, I don't go on the lives as much as I would like to, but when I do, I mean, it, it's like, I know the person, you know, yeah. they're like, Oh, Hey, Chris, how's it going? I haven't seen you this, that, you know, it's, you know, even with the short period of time that I've messaged a few people or, you know, tag, tag somebody on a video or made a shout out or anything. It's truly the, the community has just been amazing. And it's, it's, I see videos that make me then want to make videos and mm -hmm. I stitch on videos that just really show my side of things. But then I don't think, you know, I see somebody's video and I'm like, Hey, like I've kind of been feeling like that that's awesome. Like I didn't know others were feeling like that yes. or, you know, it's like, I am, you know, a big dude. And I, I honestly hadn't seen a lot of people's TikToks where they were big dudes, you know, stuff like that. And so I always had searched and searched and searched for, for other guys that were my size, my height and everything so that I could not only just compare, but just see like, Hey, is it, is it just me or are there other guys out there that are, you know, six foot four, 400 and something pounds that, yeah. that they, they truly wanted to get the surgery to better their life. Um, so it's made a huge impact for me and just the, just the, you know, kind of the following that I have on TikTok has been amazing. Even just a, an amazing confidence booster of like, Hey, there's that many people that 
you know, care about what I put on here and want to see my videos. So it's been awesome. I think that's been the, the biggest like mindfuck of everything is people are genuinely interested in what I have to say or like any videos that I put, like you spend your whole life. I didn't know you were in the class to now like you walk into a live and a chat and everybody knows who you are. And you're like, this is the most surreal experience. This is something that you've wanted your entire life. And now it's happening. And you're like, I don't know how to deal with this. Like, this is kind of like, I just, now I just kind of want to hide and have nobody know who I am. But um, I, I didn't realize how important community was until you're in it. And like I said, like, I thought like eight years out, I'm like, what do I have to offer? Like, I'm so far removed from like, I can't remember everything I related to in the beginning first, you know, stages or whatever. But I find myself learning shit every day that I would have never known before had I not, you know, come across these people. Um, hence, you and I talking right now would have never happened had there not been a ticky talkie. Um, so, and like I told you, we are almost out of time. Yeah. But I do, um, I do want to give you the floor for a minute. Um, somebody who's watching this live right now or is going to be listening to it, shameless plug, you can listen on uh, Spotify and iTunes and Amazon and all those other things like later on down the road. Uh, spread the word. Um, but for somebody who's like on the either on the fence about having surgery or is in the beginning stages or is three days post-op and regretting all of their life decisions right now, um, what's some advice that you can give somebody early on? Um, definitely at different points. Um, it, it's kind of different advice. I mean, if you're looking into getting the surgery, 100% continue looking into it, continue asking questions. Um, and don't let anybody try and talk you out of it. Um, that's what I did. And I had people who would try and tell me horror stories and it, it shied me away a little bit, but ultimately, I mean, it's your health. You, you want to, mm -hmm. you want to live as long as possible. You want a healthy life. You want to be able to enjoy and, and do the things that you truly want to do. Um, now somebody who, you know, has just had the surgery or is, you know, a month, two months, whatever out, just continue to go. Um, that's the biggest thing. Um, don't stop. Don't slow down. Don't anything, um, full force forward, exercise as much as possible eat as, as good as possible, eat as healthy as possible, tons of protein, tons of water, um, and just focus on exactly the way that the, the surgeons are, are truly telling you. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and don't focus on everybody else's journey. It's specifically yours. Um, I focused on other people's journeys at first thinking, am I doing yeah. something wrong? Why can I eat this much food? Why am I able to drink right off the bat? All of those things. And just getting advice from people or people would private message me and be like, Hey man, it's, it's, it's not you. You're doing everything right. You're just able to, that's it. Um, so biggest advice is just continue to push forward, continue to do your thing and focus on you. Um, and as long as you do that, you're going to hit your milestones. You're going to hit your goals mm -hmm. and continue to go forward and, and hit all of those things that you want to do and live life ultimately. Yeah, I'm I am so glad you said something about that because the biggest thing that people do is we compare ourselves to the results of other people. And here is a perfect example to anybody listening. Um Chris is Wolverine, okay? He literally had like little to no complications. He's like, hey, I'm gonna go to work three days later. And hey, not only am I gonna go to work three days later, I'm gonna freaking run and do like like half sprints or something like that. 
where some of us were sleeping on a recliner for three weeks and we could barely function at work the very next week. And we struggled with water and protein and we threw up and we had complications. Um, however, comma, we both are success stories. We both had long-term success up until this point. Um, so if you're not getting your water in right away in the very beginning and you're like, well, Chris was able to drink this. Okay. That was Chris. That wasn't you. Or if, if I don't watch somebody watch this and be like, it's three days after surgery. Like, why am I not running? Like Chris did because Chris is anomaly. This is not how most people are or whatever, but it's an inspiring story for you to strive towards that. So maybe you're not running after day three, but you might be running after week one when a lot of people weren't running until two years later. I'm still not much of a runner. So like, that's how I am. But the point is, is just because we have different experiences, it doesn't mean that one way is better than another. We all have different journeys. We're going to have different complications, different experiences, different NSVs, different everything. And just like Chris said, as long as you're focusing on you and your journey, you're going to do fantastic. Just like Chris did very fantastic today on our little podcast. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. It was my pleasure. I love being on here. It was awesome chit-chatting with you and we'll, we'll have to do more of this in the future. Okay. So I have an idea. So since Bobby was watching, I don't know if Bobby's still watching right now, but I wonder if we can do another boys episode with you and Bobby and you can help me work on these guns so that my biceps go in the right direction. Maybe like go more upwards. I would be soon. That would be awesome. I think that would be fun to do a workout episode. Yeah. I don't know. So Bobby, if you're watching or I will just, I can always just message you when this is over. Um, just bother. You know, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna like incessantly, you know, hit you up until you agree to do it. Um, but on that note, I really want to thank you, Chris, so much for being on the show today. It truly was a pleasure. And, um, if anybody has any questions for Chris after the show, or if you want to follow him on Instagram, his, um, TikTok and Instagram is Barry warrior dad, correct? Barry. Yes, Barry Warrior Dad, B-A-R-I, and then Warrior, and then, you know, Dad. Um, you can follow him on TikTok, on an Instagram. You can always reach out to me at info at sherryarcuria.com. And if you are interested in being a guest on the show, please feel free to reach out anytime. I'm always looking for, an, for amazing guests such as Chris, who are inspiring and motivating and are kicking ass at everything they do. And um, on that note, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. And I hope you guys all have an amazing week. Awesome. Have a good one.